0: there are some advantages to not having much hair when it comes to the balloon blowing around I guess uh, most of us are probably familiar with the the scene of the building collapse there in Surfside uh, Florida back in June this year and um, the building collapsed. It, it appeared to do it all at once in the middle of the night. But we know that there were some things that had been going on underneath that building for a long time that caused it to collapse. They haven't uh, officially determined the cause of the collapse yet, but they have found that some of the steel in the parking uh, structure under the under the units there that had begun to deteriorate. There's some indication that some rain had gotten in there and And that hadn't happened overnight, it happened over years and years and years. And all we got to see really was the the final result of that when the building finally collapsed all at once, and you've probably seen some of the videos and everything, and and it looks like it's just this thing that, that happened all at once, but there was underlying causes that had been there for a long time. And unfortunately, sometimes our spiritual lives can be a lot like that, can't they? We can have these little things going on in our lives where our relationship with Jesus begins to deteriorate, sometimes undetected, little by little, bit by bit. And then all of a sudden, one day, some crisis comes into our lives, some trial comes into our life, and, and our lives just crumble and collapse And we tend to think that that just happened all at once, but but that's really not true. Usually, there's these underlying things that have been happening all along in our relationship with Jesus. And today, as we continue our study in the book of Hebrews, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how, how our relationship with Jesus can crumble if we're not careful, how we can drift away from Jesus, and how if we do that little by little, sometimes in unnoticeable steps... We finally come to a place where we're so far from Jesus that when those trials come into our life, when those crises occur, that our lives do just collapse sometimes. Now this morning we're going we're to look at uh, verses 1 through 4 of Hebrews chapter 2. Originally I, I intended on tackling the first 13 verses, but as I began to study more this week, I realized that these first four verses really need to be looked at in more detail. And really, verses five through 13, they almost fit better with the second half of the chapter anyway. So, so next week we'll pick up in chapter or in verse five and finish the end through the end of the chapter. But today I want to pick up with these first four verses. But before we do that, I need to give us a little bit of background here, and I, I think you'll see why in just a moment. This is, um, these first four verses comprise what is the first of five different warnings that we're going to find in the book of Hebrews and there are all kinds of different approaches that that people have had to these these warnings and really this is the part of Hebrews that makes a lot of people consider Hebrews to be the most difficult book in the New Testament to understand and to teach and to to apply sometimes and i think you'll see why this morning as we look at the at this warning that we find in these first four verses so i do need to give you some background and there are, there are all kinds of different approaches that people take to these warnings, but the approaches can really be boil, boiled down into to four different main ones. And you're gonna, if you ever look at this and want to study, you're gonna see all kinds of uh, theological camps out there when it comes to this, and you'll see different names like Arminianism and Calvinism and Reformed and Modified Reformed and things like that, and. And I don't want to really get into all those this morning. I have my own opinions. What I'm going to do is, as we look at these warnings, I'm going to I'm going to do my very best to try to help you to understand them as I understand them based on my understanding of the scriptures. But but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is the only possible way to look at these. I'm just I'm not that smart for sure. And um, and so you're going to see some other things. But really, all these. All these different approaches, they really boil down to trying to answer three different questions about these warnings. And here's the first question that they try to answer. Are these passages addressed to believers or to unbelievers? Now you'll notice if you you look this morning in in this one, and in most of the warnings you're going to see that the author, whoever it is, Uses pronouns like we and us, so he's including himself with whoever that audience is, and and we know that he's probably a believer. I'm sure he's a believer, and so there's reason to believe here that he's that's who he's primarily addressing this to. But I think we need to also consider the possibility that he is writing to a a specific local congregation, which he probably is, and that within that local body just like in any local church, there's going to be some people who are genuine disciples of Jesus and there's also going to be some other people who who are there who aren't. They might look like Christians on the outside, but, but if you really get deep down into their heart, they've never really made a commitment to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so I think he's possibly addressing those as two. I don't think he's really addressing unbelievers though just strictly that. So, so I think primarily I think most people would agree that at least his primary audience here are believers. The second question and here's the one where, the, where we find the most conflict and the, the most different ideas about, about this passage is what is the penalty for not heeding the warnings? If I don't heed these warnings, what's going to happen to me as a follower of Jesus Christ or as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And in one camp, you have people who who would say that the penalty for not heeding these warnings is that you would lose your salvation. And frankly, not so much this one, but when we get into some of the other warnings, you can see, to be fair to them, you can see where they could come up with that conclusion. But for me, When I look at the Scriptures in total, there's just too much evidence in the rest of the New Testament in particular that seems to support the idea that because I didn't do anything to earn my salvation on the front end, there's really nothing I can do to lose it either. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. So I don't think that's it. Although, like I say, some of the passages almost seem like that. Could be here that... uh, that he's just trying to, to scare people, I suppose, into obeying Jesus Christ. I mean, you've seen that before. I, I've seen churches that use these passages in Hebrews to try and scare people to say, hey man, you better be careful because if you don't heed these warnings, you're going to lose your salvation. And they use them to try to scare people into following Jesus Christ. But I don't see that here at all. I also don't see him here trying to use this as a as a means of evangelism as we just said that's not his primary purpose so 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 what is the penalty if it's not that what is it and I think in order to answer that question we need to talk once again we've done this before but there are really what I would call three tenses of salvation or three aspects of our salvation First of all, there's the past aspect of salvation. We call that justification. At the very moment that I put my faith in Jesus Christ, positionally before God, I was made righteous. I was clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not through anything that I did, but strictly because God did that for me. And that's why I don't believe that there's anything I can do to lose that aspect of my salvation because I never did it in the first place. Then there's the present aspect of salvation, which we often call sanctification. It's that, that process that I'm going through day by day, where I'm, I'm hopefully becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, where I'm growing in my relationship with Him. And I do think that if we don't heed these warnings that we find in the book of Hebrews, that we can miss out on that aspect of our salvation. It is possible, as we're going to see this morning, to drift away from Jesus Christ, even for believers to drift away from Jesus Christ and miss out on this this present idea of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus. And then there's the third, the future aspect. We call it glorification. It's that time we've talked about before when our physical bodies are going to be transformed into these beautiful resurrection bodies. They're going to be reunited with my soul and my spirit, and I get to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus. And the Bible is clear when that happens, when Jesus comes back, that everyone who's a disciple of Jesus is going to face a time of judgment. But it's not judgment to determine our salvation. That's already been, that's already been sealed. That's already been determined in the past. We've been justified. That judgment that judgment that believers are going to face, it's for the purpose of giving out rewards based on the fruitfulness of our lives here on earth. How fruitful have we been for Jesus and for his kingdom? And so I do think that at least to some extent it's possible that the penalty for not heeding these warnings is that we are going to lose out on some of those rewards. Not that we won't get to spend eternity with Jesus, but we will miss out on part of that. So I, I think when you put all that together, you get the idea that that's probably what's going on here. And that leads to the third question, and that is what's the purpose of the warning sin? And we've kind of already hit on this. If you look at the first two, it's not, probably not evangelistic it's probably not to try to scare people into following Jesus. I think that that what it really is here is it's really a pastoral purpose here. That this writer, whoever he is, is really concerned about the people. He doesn't want them to go back to their old way of, of their Jewish religion. And so he's taken a very pastoral approach and he's saying, you know, you really need to heed these warnings because it's going to be the best for you. If you heed these warnings, you won't drift away from Jesus. You won't fall away from Him. You'll, you'll stay close to Him. And when you stay close to Jesus, you'll understand the gospel. When you understand the gospel, you're going to know beyond a doubt that it's worth it to stick with Jesus. So with all that in mind now, we're finally ready to... To take a look at our passage. I know that's a lot, but I think you're going to see in just a moment why it's so important that we do understand that. So you can go ahead and follow along. I'm going to read in Hebrews chapter 2, just the first four verses this morning. Therefore, and that word therefore is important. It, it points us back to, to chapter 1. And you remember last week in chapter 1, we determined that that Jesus is greater than because he's not just a messenger. He's the final message. And, and so he, now he's writing, because you know that, because you know the greatness of Jesus, he's greater than the angels, he's greater than the prophets. Therefore, because of that, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So let me give you kind of an overview. Then we're going to look at a couple of details, and then we're going to try to make this really practical. The overview here is that this writer is using a, a technique that was really common among the, the Hebrews. And that was this, this uh, technique called like greater than or, or bigger than. And what they would do, they would take something and say, well, if this is true, then it must be even more true that this is true because it's something greater. And that's what he does here. He says, if it's true that the law was here and that there was a punishment, that was meted out for those who violated the law, then it's even more true that those who violate their relationship with Jesus Christ are going to face some kind of severe consequence for that. And we talked about what that might be. It's not, I don't think it's losing their salvation, but there is a severe consequence for that. Just as an aside, you'll notice here it talks about the fact that the law was delivered by angels. That's really a really fascinating thing. Um, it would kind of take away from our main point this morning, so it, I'll put in my, day, my weekly shameless plug for the Bible roundtable and let you know that we're going to talk about that some more there, because that might be kind of a new idea. Even for me, I'd read over that before, and it was kind of new again, so we're going to talk about that. But the idea here is that the, if there was a, a penalty for violating the law, then there's an even greater penalty for violating your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here's the, the big idea that we want to take away from this passage today that in my walk with Jesus, I will either drift due to neglect or grow because of deliberate attention. That's kind of what I demonstrated with the kids this morning. Two th- one of two things are going to happen I'll drift. Or I'll make some deliberate actions and I'll grow. I can remember back when I was in college, uh, every, every year when the spring semester would finish up, several of my buddies and I, we would go up to Reservation Lake and we would go fishing in the middle of, in the lake there. And um, we would usually rent a rowboat when we got up there because most of the best fishing would occur when we got out somewhere in the middle of the lake. So, so most of the time we'd get out in the lake, we'd find a spot where we were catching fish and... And we just kind of let the boat sit there because the waters were calm and we'd kind of stay in the area where the fish were being caught. Well, one day we got out in the middle of the lake and this storm blew in, I mean, just surprised us. Blew in kind of over the mountains there and we're out in the the middle of the lake and the wind's blowing like crazy and we had to make a decision. We could either just let the wind push us and drift along with the wind, in which case we were going to end up on the opposite side of the lake from where our campsite was and eventually have to walk around and carry the boat or do something else or we could row against the wind and try to get back to our campsite so we chose we chose the second one and it just so happened that I was the one who started rowing the boat back towards shore and the wind was blowing so hard that we decided we better not switch rowers or we were going to lose half the distance that we'd already made so I rode for what seemed like an eternity I think it was probably about 10 minutes when I tell a story I usually tell people it was like an hour but it was probably more like 10 minutes And we finally did make it back to that shore, but I think that's a a perfect illustration of what the writer's writing about here. He says if you just drift, that's what the world's going to do. It's going to take you along. It's going to take you with it, and you're going to drift farther and farther and farther and farther away from Jesus Christ until you're clear across the other side of the lake from where he is, and it's hard to get back to him. Or you can take some deliberate action, in order to make sure that you hang on and stay close to jesus that you moor yourself to him and hang on to him and he's telling us here he's saying this isn't this isn't an option he says you must do that that verb must it's a it's a verb that, that means there is this isn't an option you have to do it and it's a present tense verb he says you must pay attention you must keep on paying attention to this this isn't something you just do once and it's all over the day by day you have to pay attention to your relationship with jesus christ you have to pay attention to what you know about jesus or otherwise you're going to drift away and you're going to have a hard time getting back there not going to necessarily lose your salvation but but your relationship with jesus won't be what it could be otherwise So what I want to do in the time we have remaining, I want to make this really practical. I want to first talk about three ways that I think Christians tend to drift away from Jesus in their life, and then I want to talk about the antidote to that, because that's important, right? So three ways, the three most common reasons I think that Christians drift away from Jesus. The first one is just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. You know, we all have things in our life that that were really important to us right at some point when we first got them. Maybe you got this brand new car, and it was just great. And then after a while, it's like, it's just a car, right? Or have you ever seen kids, they get these gifts at Christmas, and they play with the gifts for about 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden they determine that box that the toy came in is really cool. That's, that's better than the present. And probably all of us have some things in our house that frankly were really important to us at some point, but that kind of got stuck in the back of a closet somewhere now, and we never really use them. Just as time passes sometimes. Same thing is true in our relationship with Jesus sometimes. Most people, maybe you've experienced this yourself, maybe you've seen it with others, but most people, I think when they first enter into a relationship with Jesus, they're more excited about that then than they ever were. They can't wait to tell people about Jesus and who He is and how He's changed their life. And over time, if we're not careful, if we don't take those deliberate steps, what happens? We kind of just drift away from that a little bit. And so the first thing that we have to be aware of is, is just the passage of time. The second thing I think that can cause us to drift is familiarity, familiarity. You know, we become so familiar with the Bible. Oh, I've read it so many times. Or man, I've, I've, I've heard that sermon before, right? Or we just get so familiar with these things that we, we lose our sense of awe and wonder about God and who He is. We lose, we lose our sense of awe about the fact that God loves us so much that He would die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with Him. And it just becomes so commonplace that, that we, we begin to drift because we don't hang on to those great truths. We're not reminding ourselves of them day after day. And so if we don't take some deliberate action to focus on the, the greatness of God and what He's done for us, we can tend to just drift away. The third thing is just busyness. We get so busy with our lives that, that we just tend to drift away from God. And the things that were once important, the things that were, we usually we used to spend our time, we, we no longer spend our time there. I mean, think about it. I, I've been through this before, and probably some of you have too. You know, you're, just, you're determined you're going to read your Bible every day. And then all that you do, you go along great, and you don't. and all of a sudden you miss one day, and you get back on track. But then the next week, maybe you miss a couple of days. And then down the road, you miss a whole week, and you figure, well, now I'm off track, and, and we just get pulled away from that because we get so busy with our lives that those, those disciplines that are so important to make sure that we don't drift away from Jesus, that we just we forget we don't do them because we're so busy in our lives. i found over the years there's a really good test That you can employ to find out if busyness is a problem in your relationship with Jesus. If you ever find yourself saying something like this. I will get around to it when. When I've paid off my car. When things slow down at my work. When my finances are in a little better shape when, and you fill in the blank, then it may be that you're too busy and that you're beginning to drift away from Jesus in your relationship with Him. If you're so busy that you can't do those things that are important to pray and to be in church and to read your Bible, spend time with other believers, then then maybe you're just too busy. So how how do I deal with that? What's the antidote? to drifting away from Jesus. Fortunately, the antidote here is really clear. He tells us here's the antidote. Pay attention. Pay attention, he says, to what you have heard. To what you've heard, just to what I told you back in in chapter 1. Pay attention to the fact that Jesus is greater than the prophets. Pay attention to the fact that Jesus is greater than the angels. That, that, That verb literally means to hold on to. To hang on to in its present tense, it means you have to keep on doing it over and over and over again, that you have to do it day after day after day. And it's really interesting to me that, that the author, whoever he is, he seems to indicate here he never really heard that from Jesus with his own ears. He heard it through other people. And that's true for most of us, right? I don't know any of you heard from Jesus in person. Any of you? No. Okay. How do we hear of them? We hear of them in the Scriptures, right? Well, how do I know the Scriptures are good? How do I know I can depend on them? How do I know they're reliable? Well, for the same reasons that this author, whoever he was, could be sure of the things that he wrote down here that he had heard from other people. There's really four things he tells us here, four reasons that we can know that the Scriptures are reliable. Number one, he says, because Jesus declared it. I mean, these are the words of Jesus that we find here. And we can, we can be confident that the Bible's true because Jesus declared it. Secondly, he says, because there were eyewitnesses who attested to it. Much of what we find written in the Scripture is written by people who, I, who saw with their own eyes and attested to what Jesus said. He said the third thing, there were these signs and wonders that were done in the early church that confirmed it. That's why the apostles were able to do these miracles, these signs and wonders, because it was all about confirming that what's written in the Scriptures is something we can rely on. And then fourthly, he says the gifts of the Holy Spirit also confirm it. That was We talked about that a few weeks ago. Ryan talked about that about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how one of their purposes is to confirm that this is God at work. It's to bring glory to Jesus and point attention to Him. So the antidote is to make sure that I'm paying attention. So we've seen this morning that in my walk with Jesus, I will either drift due to neglect or I will grow because of deliberate attention. See, our, our life is a lot more like a river than a lake. And it's a river that is flowing to destruction. And if we just sit there and we do nothing, and we allow that current to take us along, and we don't take deliberate action, what's going to happen? We're going to eventually end up there. But if we take deliberate action to make sure that we're connected to Jesus, that we're more to Him, then we can be secure. We can stay close to Him. But those are really the only two alternatives. You can't just stand still in your life. Either you're growing in your relationship with Jesus or you're falling away from Him. Those are the, really the only two possibilities. And so as we close this morning, I want to make this really practical for you. I want to I help you to just Evaluate in your own life. Am I hanging on to Jesus? Am I doing, taking those deliberate actions that I need to take to make sure that I'm staying close to him? Or am I just drifting away? So I'm going to give you some questions that I want you to consider and think about. And and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but these are ones for you to consider. I put them in your in your sermon outline so you can look at them and think about them and pray about them. Here's Here's the first question. Have I put my faith in Jesus alone? I mean, that's the most important question. Have you ever come to the place in your life where you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone? Where you said, I'm going to quit trying to get to God on my own terms. I'm going to accept the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me and paid the penalty for me. And does your life show evidence of that? If you've never done that, then this morning we invite you to do that. And we would love to help you walk through that process, but we... We can't do that unless you let us know. And I'll I'll talk in a minute about how you can do that. So that's the most important question. The second question is this. In which direction is my life going right now? Am I getting closer to Jesus? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Or am I drifting away? Simple test for that, you know, is to think about, hey, am I... Am I closer to Jesus today than I was a year ago? Am I closer to Him than I was five years ago? Because if I'm not, the chances are that I'm probably drifting away. And so which direction is my life going right now? And that leads us really to the third question that I need to ask. What deliberate disciplines have I built into my life to keep me from drifting? Are you reading God's Word on a consistent basis? Are you praying on a consistent basis? Are you gathering together with other believers to worship and to study the Bible on a consistent basis? Are you confessing your sin when you sin on a consistent basis? Are you being a good steward of the resources that God has entrusted to you? And are you just kind of doing that by accident or have you built some disciplines into your life so that you'll be careful to do those things and make sure that you hang on to Jesus and you don't drift away? And then finally, the fourth and final question. What is one thing that I could do in my life to give more deliberate attention to my walk with Jesus? What one thing could I do Maybe think about those areas of your life where, where you're tended to drift away, where you're not really paying close attention to, to your walk with Jesus. I know in my own life there have been times in my relationship with Mary where I haven't paid as close of attention to her as I should. I haven't really heard her. I haven't paid attention to what I've heard. And that's always been, when that's happened, That's that's been to my detriment. I can remember at least one time and probably more in my life when when I had my mind made up on some stuff I was going to do, and it really didn't matter what she said. And I made some really dumb decisions by doing that, to be real honest. And frankly, there there have been other times when I just get distracted. You know, maybe I I get a notification on my phone, or I'm watching TV, or, or something else is going on. Maybe I'm just lost in my own thoughts, and she says something. I don't really pay attention. I don't really listen to her. I don't really hear what's what's going on there and the same thing can be true in our our spiritual lives as well right we can do all those things we can we can come to God's word with this idea that I already know what I'm going to do Lord I'll go ahead and read the Bible but I already know what I'm going to do Or maybe you're just distracted when you're reading God's Word and you you see the words on the page, but frankly, they don't really make any sense to you. You're not really thinking about them. You're not trying to apply them in your life. Maybe you've come here and you listen to a sermon and some of you right now are thinking about where you're going to lunch when we're done right here. Right? Or maybe your thoughts are just somewhere else. And so you never really take the things that you're learning and and change your life or apply them. So what is it that you can do to to give some more deliberate attention to your walk with Jesus? My prayer for you this morning, for all of us this morning, is our lives would not be like that condo building in Surfside, Florida. That we wouldn't have these things going on beneath the surface that are happening just kind of a little by little by little until our lives come crumbling down. The good news is that our lives never have to come crumbling down. That if we'll hang on tight to Jesus and take those deliberate actions to make sure that we stay close to Him, then when the winds come and the waves come and the trials come, we can stand firm. Let's pray. Father, this is such an important message. I know in my life I have a tendency sometimes just to drift because I fail to take the deliberate actions and and follow the disciplines in my life that I need to to remain close to Jesus. And so, Father, my guess is if, if I struggle with that sometimes, maybe some of the other people here do too. Father, maybe there's some here this morning who have drifted farther away from you than than they'd like to be or they need to be and maybe that's a dangerous place in their life i pray that you would draw them back close to you pray you would help them as they evaluate these questions this week to think about their lives and think about how you want to work in their lives especially pray father if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in jesus that today would be the day for that we ask all those things in his name amen